Are you encouraged this morning? I'm really encouraged. So since I'm really encouraged, we're just going to jump right in. Matthew 28, open up your Bibles. We are doing part two of our series we started last week called Five Rooms. Was anybody here last week? We had a good time starting it off. In this series, we're talking about five core elements that are observable throughout the Bible and throughout church history, elements that make up a community of Jesus followers that bring the kingdom of God, not just that get together or or see a little bit happen, but that really see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. So that's what we're going after, and we're calling it five rooms because just like a house, uh, a community that brings the kingdom of God is made up of multiple rooms. No, No one of these five things that we're talking about over these five weeks, no one of them is the only thing or the main thing. Just like rooms make up a house, all of these things make up the whole. Amen? And we're going after what we talked about the previous eight weeks, which is we want to have these five rooms because we want to be a church like home, a church like home, a people where God can live and dwell and show himself to us and the people around us. So that's what our series is all about. I'm encouraged. I'm fired up. And so we're jumping in. Here we go. You ready for a good one? Hopefully it's good. If I say that at the beginning, then it has to be good, right? Matthew 28 is where we're going to be this morning. I'm going to read you a few verses, uh, read it together with me, starting in verse 16. This is something that, uh, picking up a story about Jesus, it says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. This is after his death and resurrection. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Part two of our series, Five Rooms, the second room we're talking about this morning, you can put this at the top of your page, is discipleship. Discipleship. And I'm pretty sure that discipleship is not a real word in the dictionary, but we're going to make it work. We're going to make it work. It's sort of an extension of the word disciple, which is a word. So we're just going to kind of make it our own and whatever. That's all language is, right? You make a sound and say, this is what it means. So discipleship, here we are. That's what we're talking about. And if you've spent much time around church in your life or around church people, then you you may know that discipleship is one of those words that if you ask 10 church people what discipleship means, you get 12 different answers. (laughs) 12 different definitions of what it means to to, to make disciples or what the process of discipleship looks like. There's kind of all this confusion about that. And that can be kind of frustrating because I don't know if it says this in your Bible, but the the kind of subtitle above those verses from mine, it says the Great Commission. Got to say it with gusto. I mean, this this is a big deal what Jesus is saying, and it has been, become known as the Great Commission. This is one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples. He spent the last three of his 33 years of life walking with them, teaching them, and demonstrating to them the kingdom of God, and now he died, which was crazy. Then he rose from the dead, which is crazy, and he's about to like disappear into heaven. And then Pentecost comes. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So they're, they're going for a wild ride here, and he knows it, but they don't. And he's giving them, this is, this is the thing, because he came with the message of the kingdom of God. He said, I came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God for all of humanity. And he did this by making a few disciples, and then now he's looking at those people and saying, okay, I'm, I'm trusting you with this message. It's significant. And the vehicle by which I want you to spread this good news to the whole entire world is by going and making disciples. So if 
Jesus is asking us to carry this good news, this gospel to the whole world, and he's telling us to do it through this vehicle that we call discipleship. I think it's understandable that at times it could maybe be a little frustrating that there's a slight lack of clarity. <laughs> like, so what are we doing? Because <laughs> this seems important. In Matthew 28, it starts off, it says that he's talking to, to his own disciples. And when he said this phrase in verses 18 through 20, go and make disciples, and then he said everything else, but go and make disciples, they, they would have really understood what he was talking about because the word disciple and the practice of making disciples was a lot more prevalent in their culture. It was a lot more explicit element of their culture than I think that it is for us today. We, if you've been in church, then you've heard the word disciple. If you haven't been in church, like it's not really a word that we throw around a lot or a concept that we talk about a lot. And so disciple making may not be as explicit or understood in all, our culture as it was back then, but there's actually some decent examples of discipleship in our culture. We just call it different things that kind of starts to give us a concept of what Jesus was talking about. So like at your job, we call making disciples mentoring. You have a mentor. When you watch sports or play sports, you get coached. It's kind of the same thing going on. In school, you get tutored. And when you learn from other parents, we call it like watching what your friends do, seeing what worked with their kid, trying it with your kid, and hoping it works. Like it's, all kind of, it's all kind of the same thing. So my, my dad, like when my dad and I, when I was growing up, my dad discipled me in how to work hard. And it wasn't by sitting down and going through a workbook. It was like Saturdays we worked in the yard. And he was working and I was expected to follow. The mulch wasn't going to move itself, right? And, and if I didn't, then there was encouragement and or discipline partnered together to teach me how to work hard because he needed to show me how to work hard. So that when I grew up, I didn't get a job and be lazy and get nothing done. So I don't want to do that. So my dad decided me how to work hard. So these are all examples of, of sort of what Jesus is talking about when he says, go and make disciples. So in these examples, I hope that kind of gets us going in the, the direction of like, okay, we kind of see what he's talking about. But when we look at the culture that the disciples that Jesus is talking to in these verses, when we look at their culture, the culture that Jesus was talking to, we need to kind of dive into their version of it because our version sort of gets the ball rolling, but, but their version kind of makes the whole picture make a little bit of sense. So we're going to do a little history lesson in ancient cultures this morning. <laughs> that used to get me excited. I don't know if it gets you excited. But. So in Jewish culture, the bedrock of their society, in, in the Jewish nation and the Jewish culture, the bedrock of their society was the Hebrew scriptures. This is the word of God. This is everything that is built on in life, their, the way they want to do government, the way they did money family, all of it, we've got the Hebrew scriptures and that's the bedrock of society. Within that society, the kind of the superstars of their culture were these people called the Pharisees. And this was kind of this class of people who they knew the Hebrew scriptures really, really well and they lived it out better than anybody else. And so since they were doing it better than anybody else, they were kind of the superheroes, the superstars, the Kevin Durants, Golden State. I'm excited they won. We'll see what happens with LeBron. I don't know. Maybe he'll come to Indiana. So these are these superstars of their cultures, the Pharisees. They, they, they knew the word of God, and they did it better than anybody else. So the rest of the culture would look to them to see, okay, how are we actually supposed to live this stuff out? Because everybody wanted to honor God. They wanted to honor what the scriptures were saying, but they needed a demonstration of it. So that was the Pharisees. They looked at how the Pharisees did it to understand how it started to work out and how you actually did the stuff 
that it said. Within the Pharisees, there were the rabbis. And the rabbis were like the elite of the Pharisees who were the superstars of everybody else. So the Pharisees did what the scriptures said, but it was the rabbi's job to actually not just figure out what the scriptures said, but what it actually meant. Not just what does it say. I mean, we can all read it, but what does this actually mean? Like for real life. So for example, don't work on the Sabbath. They're like, great, we can all read that. But then there's questions like, can I light a candle on the Sabbath? How many candles can I light on the Sabbath? How long can those candles burn on the Sabbath? There's all these real life questions that the rabbis, it was their job to wrestle with these questions, dialogue together. And then when they made a decision, that was kind of like how it went. That the rabbi's decision told the Pharisees how to do it so they could live it out and show everybody else what to do. Is this making sense so far? This is fascinating to me. I hope it matters to you. So there's these rabbis, Pharisees, everybody else. Okay, all this stuff. So being a rabbi is a big deal. So it was normal for you to aspire to be a rabbi because everybody wants to be the best. So if you aspire to be a rabbi, the way that you became a rabbi was to become the disciple of a rabbi. So this is where it becomes very understood in their culture of this idea of making disciples. It, again, in our culture, it's like a law student gets a clerkship, right? So it's like that, but a lot more intense. So if you wanted to be a rabbi, you would go to a rabbi and ask, can I be your disciple? And when you were asking that, you weren't asking for a job or like an internship. It was... It was all-consuming. What you were saying is, I, I respect you, and I want to be you, so can I submit my entire life to the way that you live, behave, read the scriptures, and interpret the scriptures, and learn from you? Like, I don't want to just, like, be under you. I want to become you. Like, I want to be like you. So it was this all-encompassing lifestyle where you were giving your life to follow this person and be completely shaped by their influence. In Matthew 28, 16, it says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. The people in, that Jesus is talking to in Matthew 28, they, they don't just know what it means, what disciple means, but they've actually become disciples. They, they, they are Jesus' disciples. They had, we read that, and it's like, okay, yeah, they hung out with Jesus a lot. We get it. But when you understand the context, like this crazy who these people were because they had spent so much time with Jesus. They had so given their life, their decision-making process, the way that they did what they did and how they did it. They had so submitted their lives to Jesus with so much time that, that their friends, their families, their communities, and even Jesus himself looked at them and said, you're Jesus' disciples. In other words, y'all are Jesus' people. I want to be Jesus' people. So Jesus is talking to Jesus' people. These aren't just people who came to church on Sunday to hear him talk. There were crowds for that, but these folks were Jesus' people. This is who he's talking to with this great commission. But the funny thing about them being Jesus' disciples is that rabbis had disciples. Jesus was a carpenter. Carpenters didn't have disciples. That's more of the internship right? That's more of the apprenticeship, but, but carpenters don't have disciples. And so Jesus grows up, lives his 30 years, pretty much nobody really knows anything about him. He's doing his carpenter thing. He gets baptized. 
goes and fasts in the desert and comes and all of a sudden he walks into a synagogue one day and opens up the scripture and starts teaching, which that was like for the Pharisees maybe and definitely the rabbis, but here comes this carpenter. And he stands up and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he sits down and he says, today, the scripture y'all have been reading for a couple thousand years is fulfilled in me. Okay kind of start to understand why they tried to throw him off a cliff, right? Like, let's just nip this in the bud and get rid of this guy. So this carpenter comes along, and he starts walking into synagogues, walking around the towns, and people start gathering, and he starts teaching about the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God is like, he would say all the time. And all these people are listening, and it's a little different than they thought it was. He's not exactly lining up with the cultural and religious norms of the day, you could say. So Jesus is teaching, he's drawing these crowds, he's saying all of these things, and on top of him saying things, he's doing stuff. Like, he's not just talking a big game, he's like, you know, healing people and all of that sort of stuff. So there's power behind this. And it's so interesting because this carpenter starts walking along, he's doing all of these things, and for us, we just read it in the Bible and we go on to Matthew chapter 2, right, or whatever it is. But he's, he's like, not, this is not how this is supposed to go. Like nobody had seen somebody like Jesus before. Nobody had heard anybody like Jesus before. This carpenter who walks into a synagogue and starts having conversations with rabbis about what the scriptures mean. This guy was throwing a little bit of a wrench in the chain. And so there's these verses like Mark 1.22. Now understanding the context, you start understanding a little bit about what's going on. It says this in Mark 1.22. It says, they're astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Here's this carpenter teaching among the rabbis and the Pharisees. And, and there's all these examples. That's just one of them. There's these examples that you read through the Gospels. They're coming, the Pharisees and the scribes and the rabbis. They, they come to Jesus and they're like, by whose authority are you doing this stuff? And we read it and you're like, oh, you just don't like it. But they're like, no, this, you're not supposed to be in here unless you're under somebody else. Like, there's a, a famous rabbi of the day named Gamaliel. So it's like, you didn't talk unless you were a disciple of Gamaliel. So they're saying like, whose disciple are you? By whose authority are you saying and doing all of these things? Whose authority are you under? When you understand these things, you understand that, that being a disciple, the, the, the bedrock of their culture, of, of anybody having influence, it, it, was, it came out of full submission. Like you weren't supposed to have authority unless you were fully submitted to somebody who had authority. So you're not just supposed to walk around, do what you do, say what you want whenever you want to say it. Whose authority are you under? And then Jesus, he, he tells us these things all through the Gospels. Like in John 8, verse 28, he says this, I do, not, I do nothing on my own authority, but I speak as the Father taught me. John 5, 19, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. John 10, 17, and 18, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again, this charge I received from my Father. You want to know whose authority I'm here under? I'm here directly from God. Again, now you start to understand why they wanted to kill this guy. This is not how this is supposed to go. And then he caps it off, Matthew 28, 18, so far, he's been talking about, I've been doing this under my father's authority, and now in verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go make disciples. Go and make disciples. He, he steps into 
a religion that said you needed a rabbi and he gave a grace that takes you straight to God. When we talk about stuff like this, we talk about being a disciple of Jesus. We talk about making disciples. We read this great commission and it's really easy to say, okay, Jesus is telling us to go make disciples and be disciples, but it's really easy to disqualify yourself from this kind of stuff. It's really easy to disqualify yourself because we talk about all of these things. We talk about it being a disciple of grace that takes you straight to God. And, and you may not know exactly what that means, like this word, like, what? okay, what is a disciple? How do you make disciples? I don't quite know what that means, but what I do know is that it's not me. Because, like, when I look at me in the mirror, I know me. And that's great for the disciples, but I know the things I've got to get worked out. I know the weaknesses that I have. That sounds like helping other people, and I need help, so that's not me. But if it were me, what would that mean? When Jesus looks at his disciples and tells them to go and make disciples, you don't think you can go make disciples because you don't think you are a disciple. It's like maybe if I got really serious about this, one day I could attain to being a disciple. If we got really serious and got straightened out and had some certain people pour into me and all these kind of things, we got we to get this worked out. Maybe one day I could get there because you don't know what the finish line is, but it's out there and you're not there, right? So I want to tell you two things this morning. Number one, you're right. And number two, you're wrong. You're right that there is a journey, right? Because it's like, I'm not a disciple. I got to go through, I got to go through the process. I got to go on the journey, all these kind of things. So number one, you're right. There is a journey, but you are completely wrong about what that journey is and what that journey is all about. See, because what Jesus is saying in the culture that he's saying it, to become a disciple, you just asked. That was it. Hey, can I be your disciple? And once he said yes, there you are. You are now a disciple. Becoming a disciple was a decision. Being a disciple was the journey. And it's time to stop disqualifying ourselves from things that Jesus already stood up on a cross with his arms wide open and said are finished. It's time to stop waiting to go on the process to do the things that God already said that we can do. It's time to stop waiting to become all of these people that Jesus already says that you are. Yes, there is a journey, but the journey is not to become anything. That's grace. The journey is now we get to figure it out. See, grace, we, we see grace and we think that that grace, the extent of grace is that, okay, God has, is gracious enough to allow me to go on my journey until I can make a decision or make a change. And that's true. That's absolutely true. But we need to know that the same grace from the same God lets you start with the decision and the journey is then figuring it out. Grace makes the decision the starting line and takes away the finish line. Grace just lets you jump in, being a disciple of Jesus. And all of a sudden, you're qualified to do everything that he said that you can do. You're qualified to be everybody he says that you already are. Don't live your life waiting on things to happen for you that Jesus already has said are done. He's inviting you in to this discipleship. And Jesus tells you, or tells us, he says, under my authority, I want you to go and make these disciples. So, when he's telling them this, the first part of being a disciple in their culture, they understood the first part of being a disciple was, was being a disciple. The first part of being a disciple is disciple being. But, but an equally huge part of being a disciple was making disciples. So 
they would be a disciple by following the rabbi, by, by listening, watching, observing, and emulating, spending time, personal devotion, anybody? Personal devotion, anybody? Okay, we're on the same page. That's how, you, that's how you be a disciple. But the second part was making disciples. This is awesome. I, this gets me really excited. Maybe the history nerd in me thinks this is super cool. So there's these rabbis, right? And they have disciples. But they wouldn't have just one disciple. They would have a handful of disciples or however many. And there wasn't just one rabbi. So there's all these rabbis that have all of these disciples. And part of their discipleship, part of their disciple process uh, what was this Hebrew word? I've got a Hebrew word for you this morning. Make you think I'm really smart. I found it on Bible.org. I mean, seminary. <laughs> Sorry. So I want you to say this with me. Yeshiva. Yeshiva. I don't even know if that's how you say it, but it looks like how it's spelled. Yeshiva. Yeshiva. I don't know. So this word was a main part of their disciple process. And what this word means is this word represents these, these small groups of disciples who would get together and talk about what the rabbi said and try to figure out what do you think he meant and, and what do you think he was trying to say and how do you think we respond to this? <laughs> so the rabbis, they didn't just walk around telling people what to do. They were, they, they were known for the way they would teach or they would ask questions or they would tell stories. And if you look at through the gospels, the way Jesus taught, he would, he would oftentimes respond to questions with, another question. Or he would tell these parables about what the kingdom of God was like and then he wouldn't explain it. And it's all part of making disciples because the point of, of one of the ways you make disciples and, and be a disciple is by, by, by making disciples of one another. So it was like you go find this rabbi and you become his disciple, but then part of becoming his disciple is making disciples of the others as well. Because he's saying all of these things, so now let's sit down and let's try to figure this out together. What do you think this means for you? How do you respond to this in your life? Do you see where this is going? Okay, because this just blew my mind. This like happened, I learned this like three days ago. And I was like, I was going to preach about something very different. And I was like, this is exactly it. It makes it make perfect sense. Because guess what? We don't need to become a rabbi before we make disciples. We have a rabbi. Okay this again. We don't need to become a rabbi in this, some religious circle to make disciples. We have a rabbi. Like he died on a cross, set us free, made us righteous, gave us pure hearts, gave us all that kind of stuff so that the starting line is now just, hey, Jesus, can I be your disciple? And he says, yes, and now you're safe and free. And now you get to walk with him and follow him around and become just like him. Okay, so we have this rabbi, and now we just get to make disciples of one another. We get to live this thing out together. We get to read what he said. We get to walk with him and observe him, follow him around, see how he does things, look at life and try to filter it through his words. We get to look at the, the things that he said. We get to look at all the scriptures and say, okay, God, this is what the scripture says, but Jesus, what are you saying through these things? What are you revealing about yourself, and how do I do it? How do I respond you're not just strung out there to find it out by yourself. You get to go with another, and that's how you make disciples, is you just figure it out together. You're going to arrive somewhere, have it all taken care of, and get all the answers, and now you get the stamp of approval and a gold star. You're a disciple. We get to walk it out together. Jesus is our rabbi. He is our interpreter of who God is, what he's saying, and how we respond in our life. 
Discipleship is not a curriculum. It's not a program. There, there, there are so many resources that help us, but, but the bottom line is we're just trying to see Jesus. And we want to live like he leads us to live. That's discipleship. Disciple being is the first part of discipleship, and then we make disciples, disciple making. We all get to do it together. And if you're wondering, how do I live this out practically in my life? That's kind of the point. Like, that's the whole point, is that question. <laughs> the idea in the Jewish culture of, like, go make disciples. Okay, perfect. Here's a workbook. Would have never flown. <laughs> Ever. I think workbooks are great, and we need them, and they've helped me. But, like, that's not it. It's a journey, the lifelong process of becoming like the one you're following and doing it with other people. And it starts with, like we said, personal devotion. If you were here last week, it's just real simple practice. Show up. Show up. Observe Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Talk with him. Ask him questions. What does this mean? What does this look like? Here's what I've been thinking about. Here's what's hard. Here's what I need help with. Talk to him. And then listen to him. I asked you the question now. What do you have to say? And, and if you were here last week or if you were here for the last 30 seconds for me to tell you those things, then this is going to sound really familiar about how you live a lifestyle of making disciples. Number one, you show up. You show up. Show up. Show up to church. Show up to life group. Show up to work. Show up with your kids. Show up in your marriage. Just show up. Just show up where there's some people. Just show up. You may not be exactly where you think you want to be in your life right now, but wherever you are, there you are, and God's on the move, and he wants to use you to influence other people. He's putting people in your life to help figure these things out with. He's helping putting people in your life that you can influence and be influenced by. Wherever you are, just show up. Just show up. And once you show up, talk. Talk. Like, to your spouse, to your friends, to people in your life group, to people in church, to your coworkers, to your neighbors. Just talk. Talk about life and stuff. Talk. Talk about it, but, but talk about it with a purpose. Talk about it. Talk about, okay, we're, we're working through this parenting thing. What do you think Jesus says about this? Like, we're not going to start using the word yeshiva all the time, but, like, do that. <laughs> you know, like, whatever. <laughs> that'll make, that'll weird some people out for sure. What are you doing, yeshivan? <laughs> Show up and just start talking. I was with a friend who was in town with us a couple months ago, Dan Bauman. Y'all remember Dan Bauman? Oh, yeah. So fun. We were, we were uh, hanging out one night after like my wife and kids had gone to bed. So I was like, hey, let's go eat wings because <laughs> that's what you do. And I had to take him to Allen Porium because he's in Indianapolis and you have to eat Allen Porium wings. So we went out, and we were coming back home, and he travels all around the world, and he's had a lot of interaction with the Antioch movement over the years, but lots of other people all around the world, different networks, churches, all, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he just was sitting there, and he goes, you know what I love about Antioch people? I was like, something? That's great. <laughs> he's like, you, he's like you might, this might sound crazy, but y'all just love to talk about God. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, like we just went out at like 10 o'clock and ate wings, and we just talked about God. I was like, yeah. He's like, not, that's like, not everybody does that. I'm like, oh, I love talking about God. He's like, yeah, I know, that's my point. <laughs> and this is the point. Just talk, talk, talk about God. Not, don't have to get weird about it and like be some perfect person. Just, what do you think? What do you think? Let's talk about God and, and, then, and then listen. Show up, talk, and, and listen. Listen to other people. How did you do that? Did it work? No? Okay, I'm not going to do that either. 
listen, show up, talk, listen, make disciples of one another. And we have like discipleship groups and there's, there's workbooks and there's curriculum and there's all of these things in our lives and even in our church for, for like that provide structure for discipleship. But here's the thing, the secret sauce is not the structure. The secret sauce is not the structure. I remember being at our college station church and I had somebody email me from another like church organization. I was like, hey, I'm like, can you send me your stuff on how you guys make disciples? Because we see it and it's working. And I just emailed him back. I was like, well, we start with spending time with Jesus. And like, we didn't ever talk about it more again. Because <laughs> it's like, where's the workbook? The secret sauce is not the structure. Let's use the workbooks. I'm thankful for everybody who makes a workbook, uses a workbook. I need them. There's a lot of people smarter, like Bible.org. It's a workbook. It helped, right? I'm all for it, but the secret sauce is not the structure. The secret sauce of discipleship is your hunger, your hunger, you deciding, I want to be like Jesus. That's how you became a disciple of a rabbi. You approached him and said, can I? The secret sauce is just your hunger, which is awesome because you're in control of that. You don't have to wait on anybody else to make you hungry for God. If you want to learn from somebody, go learn from them. Ask. Watch them from across the room and see how they interact with their kids if you want to be helped with parenting. Like, we, we get this weird thing that it's like discipleship has to happen for me and all of these kinds of things. Like, if you want to learn from somebody, go learn from them on their time. Like, follow them around somehow. Like, make it work. If you want it, make it work. If you can't make something work, watch them on Sunday morning for the three seconds you see them across the room. Go talk to them for five minutes. Just make it work. Just make it work if you want to learn from somebody. If you want to go make disciples, if you want to live a life that multiplies and, and sees the kingdom of God come through you, just, just do it. Just go talk to people. Invite people in and say, hey, I'm trying to grow in God. Do you want to try to grow in God too? Let's do it together. You don't have to be a rabbi. You're a disciple. So we get to do it together. It just comes down to hunger. If you want to be a disciple, the beautiful thing about Jesus, the beautiful thing about grace is you're invited. You're invited to just do it and figure it out together. And since we're all figuring out, we don't have to get frustrated with each other when it's clunky. Because I don't know if you've ever tried living life before. <laughs> Mine's clunky. I've got good days and bad days. I do things right and I do things wrong. But I'm just trying to follow Jesus, right? Because we get to get this grace from God to bring us into being a disciple. And then we get to extend that same grace to everybody else as we all try to become disciples and, and be disciples and live it out. We got to have this. We got to have this shaping of one another. I want you to stand as we close this morning. We're going to worship one more song together and we're going to I want to pray for us as we, as we close this out this morning. We're talking about discipleship, just taking the next step towards Jesus, the next step towards allowing his influence in our life. Basically, the definition of discipleship we're working with is, is voluntary and complete submission to the, to the influence of Jesus. Voluntary and complete submission. That's all that making a disciple is. If you can just say, I want to do that, you're in. <laughs> you're in. You're doing it. You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. And you've stepped into the greatest commission that's ever been given to take this life of figuring it out with Jesus and help other people with it. 
And so as we, as we go into to worship together, I just want you to, whether you're a Jesus follower or not this morning, if, if you're thinking about this concept of discipleship, of being a disciple, if you're here this morning and you're saying, I just want to, I want to take my next step towards complete and voluntary submission to the, under, to the influence of Jesus. Whether you follow Jesus or not, I want you to raise your hand if you're just like, yeah, I want to take my next step in that. I want to pray for anybody who wants to do it this morning. Amen. 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 Right now, we're being made disciples by raising our hands, by saying we're in, by committing to one another. Yeah, we can do this together. We can walk side by side together. Let's figure this out. Let's do it. So I'm gonna pray for us. And and as we worship, there's gonna be people just like always off to the side if you need somebody to pray with you specifically. If you're here this morning, you're saying my first step needs to be giving my life to Jesus. Please don't leave without talking to somebody over to the side. I'm gonna pray for us as we worship and we're just gonna take this moment, take this moment to understand and receive the grace of God to be invited in to being a disciple of Jesus. I want to raise your hand again. If you raise your hand, I wanna pray for you. Jesus, we love you so much. And I thank you so much for the people in this room that are hungry for you. And Lord, we ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, only you can make us hungry. And so make us hungry, Lord. Come and fill us with the Holy Spirit, God. Give us a deep hunger for Jesus. I pray that you'd open the eyes of everybody with their hand up, Lord. Open their eyes to see you every day of the week and every moment. Open their ears to hear you. Lord, I pray that you would make us all initiators with one another, that we would be people who initiate what we need and initiate walking with each other, and that we'd be committed to one another as we walk this out together and walk out this invitation from you to be a disciple of Jesus. Lord, and I ask that the result would be that people would look at us and say, those are Jesus people. Make us disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name.